Welcome to Purpose 360. I'm Carol Cohn, and today more than ever before, companies, brands, and their partners need to stand for something beyond the bottom line. I've created this program to provide insights and ideas to share with you so that you can apply them to your work the very next day. The goal here is to up-level your purpose and to benefit companies and society. So please join us. my conversation with Jonathan Atwood. John is a dear friend. We got to work together when he was the head of sustainability and communications for Unilever North America. And in our part one episode, he talked a lot about um, the Unilever Sustainable Living Plan. How do you embed it and make it work in the culture as well as how do brands embrace it? But now in part two, we're going to talk about returning to the office in a post-COVID world. We are all living in a new normal. And John has some very, very specific insights to share for companies and their leadership to embrace in a very human way what it's going to be like to return to the office and what some people will want to share what they collectively went through during the pandemic and their vision for evolving and co-creating the organization's culture in the future. So join me. This is a great conversation and I trust that you will share it not only with your purpose, CSR, sustainability and culture colleagues, but also with leadership in your companies, especially in human resources. So, Jonathan, welcome back to the show. Carol, thanks so much for having me back. Today, we're going to talk about returning to the office. And in at the end of our last conversation, which mostly focused on Jonathan and his courageous and groundbreaking leadership work at Unilever, we're now going to talk about the whole new world, the new normal. And as Jonathan said in our last conversation, COVID was the great revealer. We've all been away from the office if we were fortunate enough to be able to do our work from home 14, 15, 16, 17 months or so. And this provided us with huge moments of reflection. But going back to work, and some of our colleagues said, no, it's not back to work, we've all been working. But returning to the physical space is never going to be the same. So, Jonathan, what's your point of view of this collective moment 
that we're all going to reflect upon. Oh my God, we're going back into this space. What do you think? I'm both scared and excited uh, by that opportunity. I, I really believe, you know, my, my, uh, my input to you, Carol, is not based on any kind of major data collection. It's based on a series of conversations that I continue to have daily with colleagues from all around the United States and internationally talking about, you know, where are they in terms of remote working? What's the conversation they're having with their employer about going back to the physical space? And what, what there's, a, there's several common themes that seem to be emerging. One is, you know, I think that the, the, the conversation that, that individuals are having, having been away for so long, is wholly different than they were having before COVID came upon us. They're having different conversations with their spouses and partners. They're having a different relationship with their children. They're having a different relationship with their employer. They're sitting on Zoom calls hour after hour with team members. Some are thriving in that space with really empathetic and, and I would say purposeful leaders leading the way during this time. Others have had an experience where it's, they've actually feel more removed than ever before from the company they work for. So I, you know, when I say great revealer, I think, I think what it's revealing is there's, there's a, there's a spirit, there's a human spirit element to the reveal. There's a, you know, some corporations are, are getting this time right. And I think that will pay big dividends for them in the future. And others are not doing it so well. And I think that will cost them in terms of talent. So the other big reveal will be, I think that we're going to, we're going to be in one of the most massive talent migrations that we've ever seen in our lives, where folks that are working in companies are going to have an opportunity to go someplace else, may want to, maybe aren't feeling as fulfilled as they might be at the current, you know, with their current employer and want to go someplace different, aren't, aren't satisfied with whatever model the company's coming up with, whether it be a totally flex model, whether it be two or three days in the office, whether it be remote forever. These are, these are very serious considerations. I've also heard a number of people tell me, and, and, you know, I think about a lot of, when I was at Unilever, I was commuting 90 minutes each way oh, every single day. Ouch. Right? So this conversation around the commute mm-hmm. is an important one. Right. Right? That's downtime. That's not work time. That's downtime. Do I want, am I prepared to continue to do the same commute or, or do I need to make a change? So I think there's an opportunity here to have very robust conversations. I don't have the, I don't have the answer, but I do have a series of questions. And thoughts around, you know, what is what is the state of play in human resources? Okay, hold on for one second, because because I just want to I want to underscore two things you said. One, you said an anonymous survey is not enough, and that you're going to start diving into human resources because we've had this conversation. So I want our listeners to truly, you're not a human resources expert, but you are a humanist. And again, I want to underscore, you are having 10, 20, 30 conversations, whether you're consulting for companies or whether you're just having conversations with colleagues. I think it's really important because you are an objective third party, but you have been part and lived and created the purpose at the center of Unilever. So you know when the glue is working and you also know the challenges. I think it's really important for our listeners to understand that. The other point is this, and we're going through this because we're doing some recruiting is that we can take people because we are a virtual firm, Carol Cohn on purpose, from anywhere. And I think that that has unleashed the free agent 
tree, if that's a word, to people. And I know one person we're talking with, she said, I want to be remote. And she had another opportunity in another city and they said, no, we want you to move there. And she said, no, 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 I want to be remote. Now, it's not for everybody, but to your point, the world has shifted. So now let's get into the insights that you've gained, especially regarding the role of human resources. And, you know, Carol, I couldn't agree more with your comments. I, I think I think for some folks, including me, I would say, you know, I never really put much stock in the fact that my skills are transferable. They, they go they go wherever I go. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting in a in an office every single day. I, I, I am not a proponent and I'm not I'm, I'm not proposing that I think it, everything should be remote. I think I think what I'm saying is, you know, human resources, at least in my experience, pre-COVID, was was going through a fairly serious exercise to outsource many of the capabilities of human resources. I remember back in the '90s when I first, you know, started working uh, after after graduating college, and human resources was the go-to place. I had a very personal relationship with my human resources person. And, you know, if I had an issue, I would go and they knew me and I knew them. I cannot say that that actually is my experience more recently. You know, it's this, the advent of AI, the advent of interviewing where you don't actually talk to a human and you're doing everything on the computer first, right? The, the, you know, I've seen a scaling down of human resources where one human resources partner will, will now have, you know, a very, very wide span of folks. And so I'm not I'm not dissing HR. I'm what I'm suggesting is there is a this is a major moment to do a lot of reflection around what is human resources as we go forward? What role are they going to play? Right? The emphasis on I think that human resources as a department, I think human resources needs to now be dispersed throughout an organization. Think about the team leader that's on a Zoom call with a team of 10. And, 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 and the capability that person must have to not only get the agenda done, but to be an empathetic leader and hear other people's stories, to be engaged. Are they properly trained for that? I would suggest probably that that's an opportunity, right? So I, I just think we're, we're at a moment now, you know, employees are all going to come in after 14, 15 months, having had a different experience, perhaps than the top of the house, if you will, or leadership. Not everybody's had the same experience. Frontline workers, that's a whole conversation. They've been working the whole time at, at their normal job or at the normal place of business, right? They're, they're probably a bit exhausted, and I, and I get why. So you have all these parties, and I think the opportunity for corporations is to design a way to start with a major conversation, a listening, I hate the word listening tour, but a way of listening to the experiences of the employees, to, to, to demonstrate a deep level of empathy, a deep level of understanding, and a deep level of flexibility. And I think some of those traits sometimes get lost in corporations. They get lost because you know we play it by the number. I think that companies that play it by the number going forward, right, that do it the way they've always done it, are going to see talent walk out the door. So let's talk about listening and stories. And I know that you did this at Unilever, but what are your recommendations to HR, to whomever is contributing to really reshaping, remolding the culture in a post-COVID world 
talk about wh- why storytelling and what are the methods to do it? I think HR plays obviously plays a very critical role. I think that one has to design a way of listening to the organization that, as I said before, is beyond well beyond anonymized survey data, which you can break down by, you know, by the number, if you will, but it doesn't even get close to the heart of the, of the real conversation. I'm, I'm a proponent of everybody coming together to hear the message. And, and, I, and I understand it costs money to close a business for, for a half a day or multiple hours. But I think it's really necessary for everybody to come together and, and remember we're all one team. If it's simply going to be a cascade approach where it's leadership will have a conversation, they'll talk to the next level down, the next level down. I think that the message gets very watered down. So that's number one. Number two, I think that I think that companies need to be very, very um, bold in listening, creating safe spaces for conversations and not being so wedded to what is the outcome of the conversation, but first creating a very safe and vulnerable space for people to share. Carol, just like you know, you've had the experience, I've had the experience. When you get into a personal conversation with somebody, you 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 start to find out things like they've lost a loved one. Not many people knew that. Or they have a friend that died during this time, or the friend lost a job. This is going to be, I think, a requirement that we start to really have a shared sense of what happened. We're all in this together. We're going to design the future together. We're not, this is not simply going to be pulling the manual off the shelf and we're going to, we're, we're going to tell you how it's going to go. I can't sit here and tell you today how this is all going to roll out. What does 18 months from now look like? I have no idea. But I think those, the most successful will be those that, that create a space for people to be heard, right? Let's get away from the rhetoric about bringing your whole self to work, the, you know, the posters on the, on the walls in every building, right? Let's get away from the rhetoric and let's get into that risky space where we're not sure what the outcome of the conversation is going to be, but we're going to have it. So talk about design the future together, because I think that that is the bridge to the other side. And so what might design the future together look like? What might the processes be to have the conversation? So what do they look like? Big groups, small groups, you know, how would that work? And then what's the future look like? I, I think I think it's gradations, right? I think there's a big conversation, but I think it's the entire company. And in some and using some mechanism to have the entire company have one conversation and they hear from the leader, but they also hear from several other people during that session. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, employee resource groups or business resource groups. It's interesting how they currently are designed, right? They're by cohorts, typically around, you know, shared interest or or commonality. I'm wondering whether there need to, you know, whether there needs to be a creation of connection groups where where we get away from these folks are all together because it's, you know, working mothers, right? Or it's, you know, because those conversations are important, really important. But I also think that that as a male, I need to hear what a working mother is going through. I know that the working mother has had a completely different experience than certainly I have, right? I need to hear that. But if I'm not in that business resource group, or I'm not in that employee resource group, I'm not going to hear it, Right. So I think that the, the advent of potentially creating connection groups where there are cohorts of people, they could be, they could be placed together, you know, 
by you, you want a mix of, of functions. You want a mix of frontline and salaried, if you will, uh, or corporate headquarters folks, so that there's some pollination, cross pollination of storytelling, and there's a shared, you know, a shared passion to co-create the future. Right? What is that going to look like? What's really important? We know the stats, Carol. We, we we can we can find stats that say people are feeling unfulfilled in their roles. We know that there's nerves around, you know, it, it, team dynamics, and some teams are really thriving during this remote activity, and some are not. So so you know you know, again, I think this needs to be a very open book. This needs to be a whiteboard exercise. There is no there is no preconceived notion as to what the answer is, right? And then at the end of that exercise, which I don't think needs to go on a, a hugely long time, I think certain themes will emerge and, and, and companies can capitalize on that. Are you talking about corporate strategy and operations? Or are you talking about the culture and how we relate to one another? I'm talking a lot about number two, uh, the second part, but I think it also relates to the first part. Because if the corporate strategy is We've got to win during this time in COVID. We've got to we've got to get back on track. My worry is, you know, we all come back in some form, and it's business as usual. And I think that that will be a very costly mistake for many companies to make. That somehow we can just kind of dismiss this and move on because our corporate strategy, you know, is very important, and we've got to get back to it. I think this is a, a time for reflection. Empathy and being heard. And, and I, would, I would suggest that folks that don't feel heard will, will have one foot in the door and one foot out the door very, very quickly. Are you aware of any company that's doing it well? And maybe they did it well before COVID and maybe they're doing it even better after COVID. Just from what I've read and, and some of the companies, you know, I, I, the idea about connection groups you know, is not mine alone. I've heard several people tell me that, you know, there are these informal cohorts getting together uh, of friends that are referring friends and they're coming together and they're just starting to share. How's it been going for you? What's going on? How did, how did you make this work? How are you doing the homeschooling? You, you know, I think that there's some informality that's, that's being created, but I, I would suggest that, that the companies need to be intentional. You know, the other thing is, I've heard a lot about modeling and, and, and behavior modeling where, you know, senior executives are talking one story, but they're not modeling it. And people are very observant these days, right? They observe behavior very closely. They, just, they observe, does, do the words match the action, right? Everybody would suggest that they're an empathetic leader, right? Is that true? Is that is that true? And 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 how well do they know how their teams are doing? Really, um, beyond performance, right? We know that people are working longer hours. We know that. We know that the, a lot of folks are feeling unfulfilled. You know, we know that people are are wondering. You know, is there still a culture fifteen months later? That is, is there anything to to build on, or are we starting from scratch? I would suggest that it might be an opportunity for many companies to use this as a moment to to not recreate a culture, but to create a culture that may not have existed. This may be the point of rallying, you know, a rallying point to say, we're going to jump off here. It's, it, it feels risky, you know, but we're going to do it because 
the times require. So it's fascinating that you're saying, take the time, create the space, be empathetic and listen. You're not saying the outcome has to be A, B, or C. You're saying the outcome reveals itself through the processes of true conversation and listening. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying. And, and I think that there are, you know, as I said, I think there are a number of ways to create that. And I probably haven't thought about the other 20 ways to do it. <laughs> okay. But I think this, I think this is not to use a war metaphor. I think this is hand to hand combat. I think this is hand to hand, human to human, heart to heart, right? We're going to, we're going to really understand the dynamic. We're going to, because I think what also falls out of these conversations is do we have levers that we can leverage? even more or are we doing things that we need to we need to really look at and address right are we going to be emphatic you know there's so many questions here carol you know the, the whole conversation around vaccinations is is a whole another podcast probably with somebody besides me but the whole conversation around vaccinations yes or no everybody somebody you know that's a that's a big deal right but beyond that it's can i it, am i expecting to go back to make that sacrifice right to go back into the office at this very moment to do the same thing? Or am I going to be, am, am I going to be, you know, becoming back to a group of people that we're reemerging, you know, we're thinking different thoughts. We've learned a lot. You know, I've learned a lot. I'd never worked a day of remote until COVID, not in my whole 33 years. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's fascinating. Not one. Huh. And, you know, so for me, it was exciting at the beginning. Now I, I I've already seen the shift now where a lot of my calls are not on Zoom anymore because if you've seen somebody for the last uh, ten months, you don't need to do that. Plus, you have to go through all this scheduling and this nonsense. Where are the random phone calls to say, "Hey, how you doing?" Everybody's scheduled. Boom, 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 boom. I want to get back to the day where it's like back and forth, back the and serendipity, forth. yeah, around the water cooler, which I which I think a lot of people are ask, asking about. Yes. Talk a little bit about the exodus of talent, because we're seeing it um, with our clients. And, you know, I'm just wondering in the co- conversations you're having with companies, are they taking that risk really um, to heart? Or are they just say, hey, it, it's the natural evolution of talent and we'll get by? I, I, I don't know the answer to the question. I don't know the answer whether they're what what they're really thinking. I think that they're thinking deep thoughts like this is this is a problem because people have a lot more options now. People have had a chance to say to themselves, am I going to continue to do the 20 hour day with the commute? Or, you know, I really enjoyed my time with my family and my partner. I'm not in midlife crisis, I like to say, but I'm I'm in a I'm, I feel like I'm in a stage of midlife calling. I'm trying to figure out what my calling is going to be, and and I'm trying to decide is it where is it where I'm currently employed, or would I would it would I be better served, maybe taking a little less money, to do something that that speaks to me a little bit more purposefully, right? So so I think there's a number of equations that are starting to be sorted out that could be financial, you know, but ultimately I think it comes down to time. Where am I going to spend my time? Where am I best? Where do I best utilize my talents and skills and passions? Is it is it is it doing what I was doing, or could I take it on the road? There's a lot of, as you know, the job market's hot. There's a lot of opportunity, you know. And I think that you know, there's a lot of companies that are now talking about flexibility right at the front end, saying, you know, let's take that right off the table. 
here's our policy on the way forward. We're going to go to a hybrid model. It's going to be X, Y, and Z. The team leader will decide, are you, is the team going to meet face-to-face three times a month, once a week, every single day? So is, it, I mean, so is that, in your mind, flexibility or not? I think it is flexibility. Okay. I think it's, I think it's you know, if, if, if leadership can empower managers to kind of know their team well enough to know what will work for them and not impose this, these blanket policies across the entire organization... I think that I think that's the name of the game is empowerment. You're empowering leaders, but you're going to have to skill them up a little bit in order to do that. And some teams will thrive. Yeah. So let me ask you this. How, how do we nurture talent in a post-COVID world besides listening? You know, you said come back, listen. You don't even have to act. Just listen. But how else can you nurture them? Well, it, it, it's kind of like listening. I just wonder at times, I asked a very simple question to a lot of friends that are on teams that are that have been doing, you know, the Zoom thing. Uh, is your leader really, really clear about what your sweet spot is? Like really when you're living in your purpose and your passion and your skill set and 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 the things that you're not so good at? I mean, do you have those team conversations? Like across 10 people, does everybody know that about each other so that the team can be designed to deliver the results? But but by doing so, they do it with, you know, within people's purpose. And the answer is no. So, so I want to just make a, to me, I've just connected the dots, okay? So you're saying, come back to work when you're back at work. Have those deep conversations, really deep, really personal, really human conversations. And you're going to start to get to know each other better and and such. Now you're saying here, the team, the team needs to take, dare I say, the learning of the depth of the conversation and apply it to the team. That's right. We're seeing the advent, you know, I, I work with a fella from the Core Leadership Institute around purpose, you know, and, and, and his business is around personal purpose. And he was the one who trained the Unilever executives and then the organization around personal purpose. You know, companies have corporate purpose. Some companies have programs where they're helping employees to discover their personal purpose, but there is there is a third element, the team purpose. We're now training teams to come up with a team purpose, and it's the exercise you and I just discussed, which is a very robust conversation. But but again, it 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 places a heavy onus on the leader. The leader needs to lead, you know, and model the behavior of being vulnerable. And putting themselves out there to create that safe space so that everybody feels like they can participate and truly be themselves. If everything is going to be on this, you know, I'm always being graded or I'm always being, you know, observed or that's going into my file. You know, I think that I think that all needs to, to move. We need to move away from that. We need to move to this is this this team is thriving because we all know each other really well. And you know what comes out of it all, Carol? The core is trust. We trust each other. And therefore, we get great results because we know that we're all in this together. We know that we have each other's backs. We have clarity around the mission. We have clarity around what you know my strengths and weaknesses are, as and I know yours. And we design against that, right? When all that happens and all these things get connected, an individual has a personal purpose. It's connected to the organizational purpose, right? And and it shows up in their team purpose. When, when those three things are, are, are present, it, it is my view that that is the, when you're just absolutely humming. It is, it is firing on all cylinders. It's difficult, right? You might say to me, what about brand purpose? 
I would say to you, many of the brand, much of the brand purpose work is actually done in teams. And the teams, you know, a brand that shows up with an incredible purpose, look behind it and you'll see a team that has done what I just described. You know, I think what you have done here, which is brilliant, and it's not easy, but you've talked about humanity. We're hearing so much about, you know, empathy and humanity. But what you're saying, if I get this right, have those hard and open and conversations in the beginning. And what you learn from that, you're going to learn people's needs and humanity. You don't have to you don't have to respond to every need, but you're going to share with each other. You're going to go deep. Then you're going to do that with the team. And I love the fact that you said, I've never heard this before about team purpose. You've heard about corporate purpose. You've heard about personal purpose, but team purpose. And ultimately you're saying, then you're humming. You know, you know shorthand, Carol, is, you know, I think there's a lot of really good B teams out there. And I think there's an opportunity that, that function very well and deliver you know, pretty strong results. I think this is an opportunity to go to A-teams. And it's the same, it could even be the same population of people, the same, it's the same roster on the team. It's just now all of a sudden we have much deeper understanding of each other. Yes. Yes. Great. And then the power is unleashed, right? I, I, I like to say, you know, like people at Unilever probably would laugh if they heard this and they, you know, I've been very clear. I'm pretty clear about what my sweet spot is. I'm very clear also what my weaknesses are. I still at 57 years old do not know how to do Excel. And I probably will never <laughs> learn. Right? That's not my sweet spot. Oh, so when I'm, on a team, okay. when I'm on a team, I, I'm going to say that very clearly. Like, don't, don't count on me to create the, the, the Excel spreadsheet and run the finances and do all that. Right? But I'm going to do some other things. And someone else will raise a hand and say, but I'm really good at that. If you can get those kinds of alignments, Right? If you ask an introvert who doesn't have a lot of experience to go out and do stakeholder engagement, to go out and do that, I don't think you're going to get the best results. There are people that can do that very well. So it's, it, you know, so this whole, you know, I actually see the leader of a team now in this environment to be a designer. They're designing the team around what the reality is. Is it, is it to capture new consumers? Is it to retain current consumers? You know, do we need to have, do we need to strengthen our insight around this? Do we need to, do we need to have more people that are, you know, marketers on the team? I think there's also the advent of team construction, right? Like th there may be some uncommon teams that need to be structured that you actually bring in someone from marketing to, to, to look at something that's not actually marketing. It's just because they have a very curious and learning mind. So, so I, I, I want to go back to something you said, which was really fast. Okay. Just gets clear. You said you can take a B team be players, but by being honest and open and reflective and being human, that you can make it an A team. Is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if I'm working in a team and I, and I feel like the team leader is open, vulnerable, they tell me what their strengths are. They tell me what they're nervous about. If we can get to the place where everybody on the team is both scared and excited, as I said in the first podcast, purpose typically shows up best when you're both scared and excited by the mission at hand. Clarity of the mission and you're scared and excited by the possibility. And if you can get, if you can get a team that's all in operating in that space, the, the possibilities are endless. The, the goals will be made bigger for sure. What about the issue of I don't have enough time? I mean, one of the challenges, this all sounds great, 
And, but you know, clients today, like, I gotta have it tomorrow. My God, we have to like have one meeting and figure out our purpose. And then how do we execute it? Which never happens. What is your advice about making the space to go through this and the time to go through this? What's your argument? (laughs) I hear it all the time, Carol, you know, particularly in the work around personal purpose, you know, a lot of, a lot of the conversation is that's a, that's a nice to have. We don't have the time for that. And my retort to that is, but you do have time for the eight hours of Zoom every day, right? And and constantly going through, you know, the same old thing, you know, quote, expecting a different result. I'm suggesting that this needs to be a high priority. Teams need to go through everything they're working on and start to make very difficult choices about what what what's going to make the biggest difference. Where can we, where can we, you know, can we increase the accountability? If I know you well and I'm working on a team with you, Carol, and you know that I'm trustworthy and, and, and I'm accountable for the work that you, that you need, right? You don't have to pay attention. You can actually focus your time. I think there's way too much, uh, you know, observing. Covering your butt. Checking in, you know, doing all these things. You know, I, I just think, I, I think there's plenty of time on the table, but it requires ha- making some very difficult choices. You know, I talked a little bit about goals. Every company, ESG, sustainability, there, there's 50 opportunities. And you got to, and, and, and if the mission's, you got to choose three, you got to be really clear why you chose the three and why you didn't take the other 47. <laughs> okay. And I don't think, and then talk about why you didn't choose the other 47 so that everybody's really, really clear, right? I think the other fall down is I think a lot of time is wasted because people are not clear what the mission is. What are, what are we actually working on and why? And if anybody still wonders, then you, I think as a team have to, have to stop, pause and say, okay, what don't you understand? What don't you understand about our corporate purpose statement? You don't understand the words? Let's dissect the words. Let's make sure we have a common understanding of what that means. Okay, you're saying that clarity, that it is worth the investment and the time to get to clarity so you will not then waste time running in circles, not knowing what you're doing. Not know, exactly. exactly. So, it, so it's an investment. That time is an investment in supercharging the, the outcome. So, oh my God, John, this is such an amazing part two conversation. Each one is amazing, but what we're going to have to like begin to wind this down. So what haven't I asked you? What do you want to share with our listeners who are, okay, they may be in HR, they might be in strategy, they might be in communications operations or such. They're thinking about how we're going to go back to the office and they're going to have a desk drop on the desk. Welcome back. La, la, la. Maybe they're going to have, you know, a cap or something like that. But that's not enough. What do you want to say to them? I would like to suggest that this is a really op- big opportunity to be extremely creative. The desk drop that you describe, I think, sends an immediate signal that we're doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And what I'm suggesting is think creatively. Tap into creative minds from wherever they are within the organization. Think about how you could surprise the organization, surprise one person, right? Surprise a group of people with, by doing something different, right? I, you know, I think there's any number of creative ideas that could pop, right? But I think status quo will be what really sets companies back. Thinking this is just, you know, we're just at a different moment in time now. We're going to get back. You're going to get the desk drop. It's all going to be from the CEO. You know, what's going to happen is that 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 person that gets the desk drop from the CEO is immediately going to go to their their team leader 
and they're going to see if it all jives. And if there's any inconsistency, here we go, right? That one foot in, one foot out. It starts right away. And so I think it needs to be joined up. Leaders need to be very open-minded about not having the answer, right? I think that there are probably 150,000 questions that as HR groups are creating Q&As for this period of time that they haven't even thought of, right? Being open to those, writing them down, very clear about which ones they're going to take on, being very clear about which ones they're not going to take on, right? And, and just creating a different dynamic like, wow, they heard me, they understand me, they're open to suggestion, right? They are willing to take on the hard conversations knowing that I may not like the answer, but I appreciated the fact that they opened and talked about it. They were open about it and they talked about it. I think that's a really important point because I think that just because you have the conversations doesn't mean you have to say yes to everything. It's the process of having the conversation. Absolutely not. Because if you, if you say yes to everything, you, you, all of a sudden, you, again, you'll be unclear. You're, you're kind of diluting that clarity. Again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so in other words, hear it all. You know, I look at it as a big funnel. Hear it all. Start bringing it down. Bring it into themes. Right. Listening to suggestions. I think this is an opportunity to have, you know, whether they're mentoring relationships, reverse mentoring relationships, just conversations in various levels of the organization so that there starts to be a common understanding about it's, it, you know, oh boy, look at that. It appears as though that group or the folks that are, that are not in the corporate headquarters, but the, the folks that are working in remote locations, if you will, they're having a completely different conversation and we weren't aware of it, Right. What is, what is what is the you know what's going on for the salaried and non-salaried? What what is that conversation? Does everybody feel like they're part of the same family, or is it us and them? Right? Your experience during COVID is different than mine, and it's different than somebody else's. Do we really are we, are we prepared to put that out there? Is a leader prepared to say honestly, openly, and vulnerably? I I, I need to recognize I I've had a wholly different experience than most of you in the building or in the company. It's completely different. I actually have a home office and it's, you know, you know, those kinds of conversations, you know, I, I have great tech or whatever it is. You know, some people have been working in their bedroom this entire time. Right. Yeah. I've seen a lot of those. Right. And, and you know, they've had a wholly different experience exactly. or they've, or they've been homeschooling kids or they've had, they've had, you know, one of their parents that's been ill during this time or whatever those things are. These are, these are so important. So, th- so this is fuel for growth. This is, this is not to be just pushed under and forgotten. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I think it will be fuel. I think the, those that get it really right and are really, you know, in a, in a good space around this, I think that this energy and this creation, co-creation, if you will, of a, you know, of a, of a new and thriving culture. I think is the fuel that will drive many companies to a great future. Well, th- well, thank you. And and I never do this because I never pitch Carol Cohn on purpose, but I have to just say to our listeners that we are so excited. We're working with John on another client that we are, are developing uh, this offering, which is right now we're calling it back to the office. And it's going to be this approach of going deep, um, you know, helping to activate these conversations, um, helping the 
the companies um, and teams to signal new ways of doing. And we're also going to be working with companies, not just on corporate purpose and personal purpose, but also team purpose. So I am so excited. Uh, You know, Jonathan Atwood, I've known him forever. I've seen him uh, evolve and blossom to even far beyond the courageous work that he did at Unilever. And I would say that as one of the people in the whole purpose world, he is one of the rock stars and so candid and so true. So um, if any of you listeners are thinking about how you're going to approach this, please give us a a ring, a chat, a Zoom. We're happy just to listen, Uh, but we'd also love to find the right situations that we can help propel and ignite your next stage of growth. So John, anything else that you'd like to end with? Carol, I just want to say thank you to to you and uh, and the team at CCOP. I I, uh... It's been great working with you guys during this time. Um, creativity is is the name of the game, you know. Thinking about creating the future, right? I, I think the old the old handbooks are gone. This is a moment of this is a moment of truth for a lot of companies. This is a moment of truth for a lot of individuals, you know. And I so appreciate you uh, offering me this opportunity to chat. Yeah, well, it's been great, and um, Jonathan Atwood is just one of the the stars in our constellation of purpose. So thank you so much. This has been, I think, maybe the best two-parter we've ever done, and we've done a lot of great ones. So um, I always leave with the question to our listeners. I used to say, what is your purpose? But I have now, in the last six months, said this question, what is the power of your purpose. Thank you, Jonathan Atwood. Thank you, Carol Cohn. Thank you, my listeners. And uh, let's uh, use this point in our collective history um, and future to really, really shape the future. One that is stakeholder capitalism based, that is both good for us, good for our companies and our communities and our planet. So thanks, John. Thanks, Carol. 